welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 206. Thank you to our live audience here on Facebook and proud member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada or wherever you are consuming podcasts. Uh, it is great to be with you, show number 206. Today, we are going to meet uh, Miss Letitia Cole. She is bringing leadership, she is bringing energy, and she is bringing a voice for some different groups that maybe don't have the voice uh, to be represented. So we're going to learn about her journey and about her, and we will meet her in a minute. I'm excited to meet her and talk with her here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. If you're watching live, certainly jump in. Jump in the show. Uh, leave a question. Leave a comment. Uh, for us, and it is nice to uh, uh, bring our guests or people watching into the show. So we'd love to have you join us. We were supposed to have Letitia on on Tuesday, and uh, we had some technical difficulties. So we made it work. She adjusted, and we were able to get her in. So thank you for tuning in. Okay, show number 206. Let's get started. Um, no sponsor today, but I do want to give a shout out that my newest book is out, Tales from the Hardwood. Check it out. It's not just about refereeing. It's about leadership. It's about life. And it is about leading through so many different scenarios, so many different pressure situations. Uh, I, went my, I went back when I was a, a Division One men's basketball official. So uh, I would love for you to check that out. It's on Amazon. You want a signed copy, catch it from my website, andrewmorada.com, and I will get you that copy. All right. It is May 12th. Uh, when we are uh, recording this, and, uh, and we're coming down the stretch, right? Letitia is down in Dallas, Texas, and uh, her year is, is, is wrapping up sooner than us here in the Northeast. Uh, but coming down the stretch, what are some things that, that we need to focus on? What are some things that are, are in our sights here? Administrators are busy. We're getting pulled. It's warm. The kids are getting excited about summer, and... Um, you know, so what are some things coming our way? Number one, recognition. Make sure we're recognizing all of our, our, our people, right? The award ceremony, certainly for the kids, uh, the recognition ceremony, but we just had Teacher Appreciation Week. It was just Nurses Day the other day, Hero Day in our cafeteria staff, recognizing our custodians, our people, our stakeholders, and certainly the parents and the kids at these uh, recognition ceremonies coming down the, the, the stretch. Number two, planning for next year. What is your, your focus? What is your points of emphasis? What are some things you want to accomplish? Everyone's looking to get to the finish line of this year. What are some things you as the leader are doing behind the scenes to uh, uh, get ready for next year? Number three, hiring. What are you doing to bring in great people to your school district? What are you doing to advertise and, and celebrate your school to be attractive for new staff coming in. Number four, what are you doing for self-care, right? It's hot, you're, you're running around, you're busy. You know, and again, what are you doing to take care of yourself, right? I, I've, I've talked about this. I read The Miracle Morning this year, and man, I, uh, I love being up early, taking care of stuff, hydrating early, uh, and I just feel rejuvenated. Number, what are we at? Five, retiring. Who's retiring in your district and how are you honoring those people? Are you spending a little extra time with them? Are you uh, uh, recognizing them and, and making things significant for them? Uh, and lastly, 
support, right? How are you supporting people coming down the stretch? Um, people are tired. People are, again, looking at the end of the year, continuing to do a good job where they are, and how are you as the leader supporting them? So just some things uh, in, our, in our, our world as school leaders coming down the stretch. Uh, and speaking of school leader, let's bring uh, Leticia in here, uh, live from Dallas, Texas. She's in the middle of uh, obligations there at her school. Leticia, welcome to Education Leadership Beyond. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thanks for making this adjustment. I know we weren't able to work out uh, the other day, but you you squeezed it in here. So it's nice to meet you. Uh, Leticia, tell uh, our listening audience a little bit about you, where where, at, where you're at, and, and, and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am... Um, in Dallas, Texas right now, but I am far from home, home in Chicago for me, um, born and raised. And so I've been in education for 12 years. I've served in many different capacities um, within the educational realm. I have served as teaching and leading in um, about four states here in this country, Michigan, Illinois, um, Texas, and then a little bit in Oklahoma. And I also have uh, served teaching and leading outside of the country, um, opening schools in Nicaragua as well as uh, Jamaica. Wow. So um, I have a true love and passion for education, just like everyone who's listening. <laughs> um, but I'm also willing to travel to do it. So um, I um, currently am a assistant principal over a special education program. Um, and then actually over the only deaf education program in Dallas ISD. So it's very unique. Um, we have 2000 kids in our building. It is things going on all the time. Um, it is a very unique place. Um, and so I just love what I do. I love working with so many different populations, um, but my passion is really just bringing resources and helping educators be able to work with and uh, grow uh, students in marginalized groups. Okay, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that, Leticia. Um, but you heard the opening concept. You know, what are some things for you that you're focusing on and did anything on that list resonate with you? Everything resonated with me and I, I loved uh, getting the reminder that I have all of those things to do in the next two weeks. Um, I have teachers, paraprofessionals retiring who've been in this one building for 35 years. So we're having a big party for her. Um, parade communities coming out. I mean, it's going to be a big shindig. Um, we have, you know, those teachers who might be new and just need those extra supports over the summer to get ready for the next school year. Um, and so those things are always important. And sometimes we get so busy with the student activities that we forget about how much support our, our teachers need going into the summer. They're tired. Um, you don't want to overwhelm them. and You want to celebrate them for all that they have done for you this school year. But we also want to make sure that they're set up for success going into the next school year without trying to scramble when school starts back. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I learned this from Todd Whitaker, right? We take care of the teachers as leaders, and then they take care of the kids. And that's something that we can't lose sight of. Um, Absolutely. Leticia, you're, you're in Dallas, right? You're not a Southerner. You're down there. Tell me about your style, right? Like, what is your style as a leader? How do you establish some of your strengths and, and, and work through some of your growing points as a leader in, in a new place? It's not new anymore, but it was, you know, a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, so um, it's definitely um, different stepping into an entire different state um, because laws are different, um, cultures are different. But I think, you know, even if you are going to a new school in the same state, you know, you still have to learn the culture of the school. So there's always going to be an adjustment. Um, but for me, my leadership style is I'm, all, I'm very human centered. I'm all about um, the human aspect, uh, making sure that people are whole. Um, emotionally, mentally, um, physically, mm. um, on my on my calls with my teachers, um, meetings with my teachers, I always tell them, and I always end my meetings with, "You cannot pour from an empty cup. Take time for yourself. Your family's on weekends. I'm not going to bother you after 5 p.m. Um, I want you to be at home with your families. Get replenished. Get the rest that you need." And then you're, you're full to come back to work the next day or after a weekend. Um, I, I, my, my door is always open. I'm huge on building relationships, even in the beginning of the year. Um, I actually spend 15 minutes with every single one of my teachers. And I, I actually manage about 45 adults in this building um, in 15 minutes each. Uh, I want to know what they've done over the summer. I want to know how they like to meet, how they like to receive feedback what their favorite candy is, because if I know they're having a, a bad day, they're going to have that candy on their desk. Um, I want to know who they go home to, because that's super important. What supports do they have at home? Who's there when they get home? Is there it's no one at home, right? All those things are important to understand where your teachers are and, and what they can give to your students and where they are in their journey. Um, and so, again, just starting that, that first relationship or continuing the relationship with just 15 minutes just to sit and chat and catch up um, before we get into the work. Is really important and i think it goes a long way i love that i love that concept and, and look at you making it personal right how do they want to receive feedback versus you just barge in that classroom and you know start giving them feedback uh and, exactly yeah, kudos exactly. to you for asking um leticia what would you say are some of your strengths um i definitely again i'm, I'm human center I, I really am good with uh, making those connections and not only just connections i'm really good with uh, keeping meaningful relationships. Um, I, I think that what I've found in education is a lot of times things can be transactional. And I think that can be in any business or, you know, in the business world, things are very transactional relationships. What can you do for me? How can you produce, you know, and it's kind of that relationship. And, and I've never been a favor, you know, in favor of that type of relationship. I really do want a wholesome, meaningful relationship um, because guess what? Sometimes your teachers won't be able to produce for you. They're going to have bad days. Um, and so um, being human and understanding that um, gets them ready to produce at a later time. But actually being able to know right now they can't. What do they need right now so that they can't eventually get to that point? Um, but taking a step back and really just um, understanding that everyone can't be at their height all the time. But then also what can I do as a leader to help them get there mm -hmm. and support them in that? Leticia, you're doing something so unique and different, involved with deaf education with someone who's not deaf, right? You, you are blessed with hearing. Tell me about this journey and, and some of the things you've learned in, in working in that culture and that environment. And uh, I'm so just so curious about it. Yeah, no. So um, when I came to Dallas um, and I took this position, I knew that I would be over um, social studies is what I actually accepted um, in May. And then there were some people who got promoted. And so my principal came to me and said, hey, I know you have a background in social studies, but I know you also have a background in some special education. 
do you mind being over our special education program um, because the, the best candidate we have, he's only good with social studies. And I said, mm. sure, no problem. Um, team player, right? <laughs> go, go where you need it, right? So sure, no problem. And uh, most places, when you just say special education program, it is typically the, the norm, right, of special education. But here, um, deaf education also falls into the special education umbrella in this building. Um, and so number one, uh, just having, I have deaf teachers, right? And so in a meeting looks very different for me. I have an interpreter, I have my teachers. Um, sometimes if we are working with parents um, and they're Spanish speaking, I have a translator, an interpreter, a teacher, a student. So you got all these players in a meeting. And so I will say that the first, um, the first couple of times I was like, wow, this is a lot. But it was so fascinating, um, mm -hmm. truly to number one, my teachers were awesome to welcome me in, to teach me everything that they could possibly teach me about deaf culture um, and just being in that space. And so as, as I'm, you know, you, you walk into a building, and you're like, I have so much to learn um, about being in Dallas, right? But I had even more to learn just to even be able to serve um, this very unique population that was on my campus. And I was so excited to do it. There was a lots of things that I had to improve for that um, population because they literally had been forgotten. Um, and I think that in this three years, I can I can confidently say that I have met all my goals and my students are thriving, my teachers are thriving, and it has just really been an awesome journey. Wow. Wow. So tell me uh, about that. Like, how does a regular education student communicate? How, like lunch, like how do they, you know, uh, how, how do you make all that work? Yeah, so that was one of the deficits um, when I got here. Um, our students were super isolated, meaning yeah. like they would schedule all of the deaf education students in one class. Um, oh, wow. And so that means that my high school students who were deaf weren't able to pick the classes that they wanted to take, like the electives, like the gen ed. Mm -hmm. um, and so that right there is exclusive, right? Um, thinking about extracurricular activities, they weren't able to participate because there was no interpreter to be there for the extracurricular activities. So all they could do is go to school and go back home. And many of them are actually bused in from surrounding suburbs because, like I said, our school serves all of Dallas deaf education, but it also serves many of the suburbs surrounding uh, Dallas because there's not a lot of deaf education programs um, in schools. So I had two big issues, right? I got kids who are being excluded from ch choosing classes, and I also have kids who are being excluded from extracurricular, which is mm, huge. Mm. Extracurricular activities are very important yes. um, and so i had to first go to the counselors and say hey i'm sorry i know it's like august and i know you guys have the schedules but we gotta we gotta redo this this ain't working for me yeah <laughs> special education has to be scheduled first yeah i mean then we build around that um and so i had a great team too all the other assistant principals my principals agreed that that absolutely should be done. So my kids are now able to pick the classes that they want to take. Um, and we just, we actually make sure that we have interpreters for those classes. Um, my kids also are now um, a part of so many different extracurriculars. So you come to our football games, you have our deaf education students signing with their teammates who here. There's, we also have an ASL class here, um, four levels of it. So our gen ed oh, students wow. are taking signs so they can communicate with their teammates. Wow. Um, and they have um, deaf education students in their class. So, you know, 
gen ed with a deaf ed and you have to have an interpreter and a teacher so they are working with each other and they want to learn in science so they yeah. can communicate with their teammates and their classmates and again just bridging that gap bringing um diversity so much diversity in the building but bringing it together so kids can truly benefit off of learning from different groups and different cultures in the building that's, awesome. yeah, that's beautiful if the kids that take asl is that is that count as their language credit i mean they learn yes, that it does wow. yes it counts as a language that's yes beautiful wow it is, what awesome. what percentage would you say uh, the kids can lip read right if the interpreter is not there how well mm -hmm. do they do with that um so you have some students and so this is a very uh a serious uh statistic um, over 90% of students who are deaf, parents do not sign. So you are dealing with wow. students who literally have very little communication at home, yeah. um, which causes lots of issues for, for those students. I um, mean, so you really kind of find yourself with students who are really only communicating with their friends. And if you can imagine students learning from students, moral things, ethical things, mm. it get really, you know, <laughs> it can get really uh, murky there. Yeah. Um, and so, with our students, I mean, if they if they don't have parents that sign, um, some of them have really struggled and they, they will learn how to lip read. Um, it's not very many of them, though, to mm. be honest with you. Most of them do depend on ASL um, and then um, and then writing. They will write to communicate with their parents at home. So I would say out of my population, I would probably say about maybe 15 percent can lip read fluently. Okay. I mean, like, you know, really can understand it. Um, but the rest of them really do rely on, on ASL. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I know technology has helped. Uh, we have a few deaf parents in my district. And I know we've done Google Meets where the closed captions come on. <laughs> and this show, when it airs on Facebook, it is showing it closed caption, which is nice uh, for, for people. Um, but that's just great. Letitia, how has this part of your life improved you? As an as an AP in, in, in the in the area of communication, right? How do you, do you communicate differently other than trying to sign as best you can? But how do you feel that it's improved your overall communication? Yeah, you know, I think that it has uh, definitely uh, deepened my understanding of true communication, right? And and knowing culture first, right? You cannot communicate with someone unless you know their culture. And I think a lot of times you think about culture as being like ethnic or where someone comes from, maybe race, but it could be something as simple as how do they communicate? What is the, the culture and how they communicate um, mm. to the easy bonnets? Um, you know, is that, you know, do they use sign? Um, do they have little communication at home, right? Is that the culture of their house where they don't really communicate? Maybe they scream and yell at home. Um, all of that is, that is communication. And so, really just thinking about that on a deeper level and making my teachers aware that we really do need to understand how our students communicate. Um, because if we don't understand how they communicate, we will not ever be able to effectively communicate with them or help them grow in the communication that of course is more socially acceptable. Um, I think that for me, um, having a teachers who are deaf, um, students who are deaf, just always now I'm always having to not have to have an interpreter there. If I don't, I'm literally being exclusive. I am. I am not including them in that that learning um, process, um, and I, I'm making them feel 
not included. And think about how many of our students feel the same way, even though they are not deaf and they don't need an interpreter. But what are we doing when we are excluding people and we don't even really know it or we're not mindful or cognizant of it? Um, and so it, it, it is it has changed me in so many ways. Um, but again, just that big piece of being very cognizant of how I communicate and thinking about how other people communicate, how they want to be communicated with. Um, because again, we cannot change, uh, mold, grow anyone without effective communication. Well said and, and well thought out. Um, Leticia, I admire you as an advocate for, uh, as you said, group, you know, groups of marginalized voices, right? The deaf population, uh, children of color, uh, the different minority groups. You know, tell me about that journey. And, and was this something that you kind of always had inside of you or did it working with the deaf population? Did it come out more? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a person of color. Um, I think that it was I think it's been in me. I would say um, I will always remember a teacher that I had um, my sophomore year in high school. He was a social studies teacher. His name was Mr. Bannock. Um, and so he um, he was a white male. Um, and he just really sat down and had a candid conversation with my class. And um, I was in an AP class. I've always did great academically. Um, but he he really just broke down um, the obstacles that um, children of color face um, as far as accessing resources and, and education and then just the differences. And, and he pretty much just gave us that call to action like, what are you guys going to do about it? Um, you are the cream of the crop of the school. You have, you know, the academics, you have the charisma. You guys are, you know, honor students. But what are you guys going to do about this mm -hmm. to change it for uh, people to come and follow behind you? And so, you know, as, as a 15 year old, you're like, wow, that's a lot. That's heavy. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I want to go hang with my friends after school. Um, but, I, you know, you plant those seeds. Right. And so that seed just continue to grow. Um, my dad also was a huge advocate for me just to truly um, really understand where I come from, um, understand my culture, understand my strengths, understand how I can help. Um, both of my parents are actually huge advocates in the community with working with children um, in different capacities. And so again, I just had like, a lot of different influences um, in my life that kind of planted seeds and then it just grew. Um, from there. And so when I went to college undergrad, I originally went actually to go into nursing um, like my mom. And when I got there, um, I realized that, wow, this is uh, too sad for me. Um, kudos to the nurses who do it every day, but it just wasn't for me. And so I got an opportunity to um, study abroad and work with children there. And I just fell in love. And I said, this is this is my this is my my calling. This is what God has put me on this earth to do, and it's to educate and just to be an educator. And so from there, it just grew. And um, and again, like I said, um, just working with marginalized groups and working with students of color, be, being a person of color, um, I think it's it is definitely intrinsic. Um, but with everything going on in the world, you know, it's those daily reminders that work has to be done, and you know, it can't stop. Got to keep going. Yeah. And you're you're literally doing it right. You, you were challenged as a youngster and, and here you are. You're serving in school, but you're yeah. also doing some work outside of that. You have your 
your your consulting business, your speaking, right? Uh, the the mm -hmm. diary of a mad black teacher. And mad isn't angry, right? You're making no, a difference angry. if it's on the scroll yeah. there. Tell me about that journey and, and, and some of the things you're doing in that work. Yeah, so um, again, that's that, that seed that got planted. This is just another branch off of off of the tree. Um, and so, Diary of Mad Black Teacher is, like you said, um, Mad is actually stands for making a difference, and it is just a space for teachers and parents who work with students of color, students who work, work with students who are in marginalized groups, to come and get resources on how to better help grow those students um, and help those students um, develop throughout their educational journey um, and their life journey. Um, I think a lot of times um, parents just don't know where to go. Teachers don't know how to get those resources. I have yeah. these students in my class, I wanna help them and I really just don't know how. Um, and so that place is where they can go and just pretty much be fed um, so that they can then take that back and, and help their, their students, uh, whether it's you know their actual own students or their students that they work with every day in class. Yeah, well, good for you in doing that. And I know you're starting a podcast um there's a lot that you want to do with that so uh what are your next steps where do you where do you go from here with that work yeah so of course um the podcast i i plan on relaunching um very soon um i've just been really busy with the school year and yeah. so um i definitely want to you know get back into that work i'm consulting because there's just su such a high need um you know i think for me, when I first started consulting, it was more so focusing on working with administrators, working with teachers, but I have really come to find that there are lots of parents who really need help as well. Not on, of course, like implementing strategies with their students, but really just how do I get my child through this education system? Um, how do I get them through it successfully? And of course, with COVID, COVID changed so many things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have now have to really be conscious about social emotional, right? Like parents are starting to feel that like my child isn't the same, like, you know, like they are not uh, doing well or, you know, how do I address these things? And so I think for me, um, really kind of shifting uh, my thought of just really helping those parents as well who reach out and trying to get them the resources as well as working with educators is a little bit different than what I originally thought I was going to uh, be doing when I set on this journey. You're right. They do need help. And uh, good for you for finding that, right? You started on your journey. You had a destination. But because of your, your passion and your influence, that changed. I want to get uh, my book to you, Latisha. I wrote a book called The Partnership. And it's about okay. us as schools reaching out and building that partnership uh, to help these kids. So we, we'll set that up. Don't don't hang up. When, when we hang up, and I, we'll, we'll make that happen. Okay. Um, Leticia, another passion of yours is traveling. And you mentioned about doing some education work in Nicaragua and different places. Where did that bug of travel come and, and why do you love it so much? Um, to be honest with you, um, my, my, my mom and my dad always made sure that I went somewhere different every year for spring break um, growing up. And so maybe that's where it came from. Um, but my actual first out of country trip was actually or international trip was actually when I went uh, to study abroad in Jamaica so from there I have not sat still and talked to my mom she's like I, I, where are you at now I don't even just tell me where you are <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, no I love uh, traveling um, and I love actually meeting the people when 
I travel. You learn so much from yeah. the local yeah. native people. Um, it, it's invaluable information. It truly is. Yeah. And it helps you make connections with people, right? You meet a different person from a different race and they, oh, you know, yeah, I speak a little Spanish or I've been to that part of the country, right? Like I, just you're able to make connections and, and it's more than a dinner conversation, right? You're able to, because that person identifies with you once you know a little bit about them. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. You've uh, mentioned your parents a couple times. I know they've been great mentors for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are some skills? What would you say are the top one or two things that they gave you that you use as a school leader now? Always treat people right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I, I think that's so basic. Um, but, you know, my, my dad and my mom, you know, they expected me to respect everyone. It didn't matter what your title was. You're a human, you deserve respect. And so um, when I go into a building, um, my custodians get the same celebrations that my teachers get yeah. um, because they all do um, work to make this building run. And so I am truly grateful for that being instilled in me. Um, I think it has, uh, like you said, those connections allow me to make connections, allow me to have meaningful relationships and truly allow me to lead with ease. I don't have to force people to follow me. Um, when you show people respect and you show them love and you show them care, they'll follow you anywhere. They truly will. Yeah. Leticia, you can tell you're a beautiful person, how you care, treat people and the work you're doing. And uh, I want to connect you with some of my groups here so we can help get your voice out uh, there and, and your message. Um, Leticia, what was something that you wanted to share that I didn't ask you about? Um, I, I, I think I, I think the biggest thing right now on my plate is really, like you said, the partnerships is really just, um, I guess, calling to action our, our leaders in school to really make an effort to connect our communities with our schools. Yeah. Uh, so many places, they're disjointed, and we really do need the whole community, um, whether the community resources, the parents. Um, it should be a tight partnership between the school and the parents because I feel like Everybody's working in silos right now. Parents are, you know, overwhelmed. The teachers are overwhelmed. Administrators are overwhelmed. But if we can come together and truly partner with each other, we can really make this work for our kids. And again, I know it's difficult. COVID has changed things. Um, statistics are going not in the in a good way right now. Yeah. But again, partnering with each other and really realizing that every stakeholder group is valuable. They really are, um, and they really bring something different that makes the entire school community thrive. Um, and so I, I think that that's probably, that, that, that's what I want to say to everyone. <laughs> well, that message is loud and clear and you can hear it and we know that you're doing it and uh, kudos to you. Uh, I know you have something here, Leticia, you got to go to and uh, uh, I'm off to a community event. So let's, uh, let's wrap up. This is the rapid uh, fire portion of the show. These are quick answers, Leticia. Oh, here we go. Uh, and, and the first thing that comes to your head, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. She's from Illinois. Of course she's ready. Here we go. Uh, last book you read? Um, How to Be a Transformational Le uh, Principal by Jethro Jones. I'm actually, I'm not done. I'm almost done, but just got my hands on it a few weeks ago. So Yeah. And you got to get on his podcast. I'm going to connect you. He's, he's yes, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Last movie you saw? Uh, The House of Gucci. Um, 
really interesting. I didn't Did know that. That's, didn't know that's Lady Gaga, right? Yes. It was yes. Good? I watched it actually on a flight. Watched it. Yes, it was actually very good. I learned a lot about the Gucci family. You know, there's some high-end uh, uh, retail places. The line was out the door. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Uh, what's your favorite dish? Oh, my God. I love food. Oh, one. <laughs> um, right now, I've been, like, addicted to shrimp and grits right now. So I'm going to mm. go with shrimp and grits for now, but it changes so much because I just love food. That's, a, that's <laughs> an all-day menu item, isn't it? Yes, yes. You I can't narrow you down. I know you can't just pick one. So give me give me two or three favorite places. If you got a free ticket on a plane, where you going? Oh, um, Jamaica's always gonna be near and dear to my heart. I love the people there. Um Barcelona, beautiful, mm. love the people mm. there. Um oh I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna go Turks and Caicos because it's like my favorite, like relaxing. If you don't want to do yes. anything, you just want to yes. look at some beautiful water. Yes. Amazing. And you know, I can't leave out Belize. Belize also has beautiful water, beautiful people, super relaxing. My wife wants to go on one of them little huts that's like over the water. Oh, water <laughs> in the villa. <laughs> she wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, a journal or a blog you subscribe to? Um, the newest one is Branching Minds. Um, it's really focused on MTSS intervention, and it's phenomenal. So if your schools um, need some help with that. We do. Yes. Bran branching Minds. Yes. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, a stress reliever, a go-to stress reliever. Oh, I run every morning. So I try to get mm -hmm. in at least two to three miles in every morning um, just to start my day so that I'm not stressed. <laughs> <laughs> little little warmer down there in Dallas than <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. Um, a pet peeve of yours, something that gets under your skin. Oh, wasting time. You can't mm. get it back, you mm. know? That, that's, a, that, that's a pet peeve. Yeah, I texted you the other morning. It was like six over here, and you responded. You was up. <laughs> uh, give me two recent victories. Um. We got a hundred percent audit um, for our special education program, so everything was a hundred percent. That is definitely a win. That means we are in compliance. Our kids, students are getting what they need. Um, and then, actually, one of our units got a um, washer and dryer, so now our students can uh, learn life skills, um, washing and drying and cooking. And so, it just adds to the all the wonderful things that they can do around here to just get life skills before they get into the real world. So. That was awesome. Love it. Uh, at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel, fill in the blank. I feel wonderful at 8 a.m. I've worked out. I am probably about to get some errands done. Um, I've chatted with my mom for our morning prep talk, and um, I'm good to go. She's ready to go. If I were to visit your hometown, and that could be in Dallas or that could be back home in, in Illinois, uh, where are you taking me? I'm going to take you to get some deep dish pizza at mm. Giordano's. Mm. And then I'm probably going to take you, if it's summertime, and this is Chicago, I'm probably going to take you to um, on the boat, on the lake, and I will have an Italian beef waiting for you there. Oh, that, my goodness. Awesome. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. The deep dish pizza, uh, for those not from the Chicago area, is the real deal. <laughs> New York, yeah, I'm in New York, and we got the thin crust. That yes. deep dish pizza, you, that's, a, that's, a, that's a full course meal. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, what's one thing you're curious about? Um, hmm. 
You know, I think because it's just on my mind, I'm curious about how this deaf education summit is going to go. Yeah. I can't speak for three days. Three days. <laughs> so, Don't do it. You're going to get kicked out. Don't do it. All right. So I'm super curious about how this is going to go, but I'm excited. I think I'm going to learn a lot. Leticia, I'm going to challenge you here live on Education Leadership Beyond. I write a blog and I'm inspired by different things. And I think you're going to come back with a wealth of that. I challenge you to write something, maybe what you're curious about, what you think, and then write the second half. And we'll publish that for you because I think you're going to be transformed, as you mentioned about the transformative principle. I, I take on that challenge. All right, let's do it. Uh, something about Leticia Cole that people do not know about. This is weird, but I have a plate and four screws in my jaw here from a softball injury. Get out. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. You get when they scan you at the airport that you got to say, I got the plate. <laughs> you know, it doesn't go off. It's titanium. So. Oh, my God. You really are superwoman. <laughs> Holy cow. I was sensing that. Wow. And that was a bat or a ball? What happened? Um, so I was a pitcher. It was a line drive back to the mound. Catcher, pitcher, error, and throw a sign, you know, for the, the pitch. Uh, it was an error there. So, yeah. yeah. And, and you see those girls wearing the face mask now. And you, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, now, oh. yeah. God bless you. Well, you you're looking good, girl. So <laughs> whoever the surgeon was, he did good. He was phenomenal. Yeah. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. God bless you. All right, uh, Leticia, I got your, your website uh, on here. People want to know your story. People want to learn more about you. Uh, how can they do that? Um, yeah, please just check out my website, um, Diary of a Mad Black Teacher. Um, there's email. You can contact me through email. You can contact me through uh, phone. Um, and But that's probably the best way to get in contact with mm. me is going through that website. Awesome. And check that out again, Leticia Cole. Uh, Leticia, you have Twitter. I know you have Instagram. You have Twitter? I do not have Twitter, and uh, I know I should probably get it. We're going to get you Twitter, and we're going to get you <laughs> Facebook. we get you set up. Yeah. Um, Leticia, you said a, a number of beautiful things today. Uh, how about a quote? You have something you'd like to end with? Yes. You know, my favorite quote is actually by Cornell West, and it is, you can't lead the people unless you love the people, and you can't save the people unless you serve the people. Ooh. Say that one more time. <laughs> you can't lead the people unless you love the people and you can't save the people unless you serve the people that is beautiful wow leticia cole ladies and gentlemen uh wonderful job it was an honor to meet you uh i know you gotta run so uh check out her stuff and uh we'll get this podcast out there uh we're gonna sign off here it is show number 206 uh leticia it was an honor i wish you the best in your journey Stay on the line a second, all Thank right? Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be here. It was fun. I'm glad I'm glad we worked it out. Uh, yeah. Hang tight. We're going to get okay. the music going, and uh, here we go. Show 206, everybody. Keep surviving and thriving. If I could help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. Keep rolling.